Hey everyone, I'm Anthony Gathers. And I'm Greg Weiss. And we, we are, are good, good dudes with bad hearts. hearts. No, literally. Our, Our hearts, hearts are, are broken. broken. I have heart failure. And I have a transplant. We never thought we'd have heart problems. But we do. And they're real. And they suck. And that's why we're here. To talk to you about heart failure, heart attacks, and everything that comes with these conditions. Each week, we will bring you an episode featuring guests with heart issues. We're talking about doctors and health professionals. And we're talking about everyday people. Like you and I, together, We'll share useful information, providing useful lifestyle tips, and how to prepare heart-healthy meals. We'll tell our stories and hopefully make our, your hearts, better. Welcome Welcome to Change of Heart. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of Change of Heart. I'm here, Anthony Gethers, with my co-host, Greg Weiss. Say your name, Greg. Hello, everybody. Greg Weiss with you again today. Awesome. We have a very cool guest. Uh, this is someone I've known for a long time. Uh, Dave Robin, his name is. Dave, say hello. Good morning. Good morning, Good Dave. Dave, like everyone else, um, I'd say was an unlikely candidate for a heart attack. I think, well, the most funny as we're, as we're going, on, going, on, going along, I think we're all kind of candidates for heart attacks these days or heart disease. Uh, Dave was an athlete back in high school, um, was a wrestler. Um, you also did your share of partying as well. So you had a combination of being a wrestler and your, your athletic abilities and your party abilities kind of at some point meshed. So, Dave, give us a little bit of background about your situation. Well, yeah, I guess in, in high school, I, I wrestled a little bit. I ran a little bit of track, um, played uh, some soccer in junior high for, I'm sure you guys remember the Hal Block Soccer League back in the day uh, out in New York. Um, but, yeah, you know, I thought I was pretty healthy. I worked out. Uh, still work out and do some cycling and uh, thought I was pretty healthy. Yes, I partied, uh, moved out to California for a little while. I was hanging out in the Sunset Strip with the long hair and the earrings and the motorcycles, uh, hanging out with the rock stars, trying to keep up. And uh, yes, in my past, the 90s, uh, probably did a little bit of drugs and alcohol that who knows may or may have not contributed to my situation these days. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, trying to live a healthy lifestyle these days, quit smoking Years ago, I smoked probably from 14 to 41, which is kind of funny considering I did consider myself. Yeah, how know, much did you smoke? You smoked 14 to 41. Sorry to interrupt you. How many packs did you smoke a day? Uh, probably close to about a pack a day. Oh wow, dude, that's 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 a lot of cigarettes, mate. But you, uh, you know, you got young lungs, and your lungs can handle that at that age, and uh, you think there's going to be no problem, but. You know, down the road, things happen. Okay. Fast forward to where you began to have your heart issues. Um, yeah, just going back to uh, this December, uh, getting ready to go to bed. Wife had gone to bed right before me, and uh, just kind of felt an uncomfortable feeling in in your cleavage right there. And uh, to be honest, I had worked out that morning. It was my day off. Had a great day. Did some yard work. Didn't think anything of it. Well, no, didn't do some yard work. I'm sorry. My bad. That was winter time. Uh, but I had done a bunch of exercise that day. Everything was fine until I went to bed and just felt a little uncomfortable. Uh, thought maybe I'd pulled a muscle in my chest or maybe had some air in there. You know how you get that sometimes. Turns out uh tried laying down. Couldn't do that. Tried sitting up. Couldn't be comfortable. Tried actually laying on the bed with my head hanging over the side 
tried uh, sitting on the floor with my knees on the floor and my head on the bed, just couldn't get comfortable. It was getting worse and feeling it under the muscle of my chest. Then after a little bit, it started to feel like almost like a pounding out the back of my shoulder blade. And I was like, okay, well, this is, this is a little odd. Okay. I talked, I've screwed around for about an hour and a half deciding whether or not to go to the hospital. And then it got to a point where I couldn't take more than two steps without catching my breath and uh, going to the floor and going to my knees. And finally decided after an hour and a half to go to the hospital. Good decision. Okay. <laughs> mm, smart. If, if I could add, Steve, when we hear other people's stories, we, we end up hearing the same stories about um, – the chest pain, the the lack of breathing. Had this ever happened before? Like, was there, like, were you going to the doctor and the doctor said, watch yourself? Did you ever have a blood test? And, the, and, and they said, you got to watch this, you got to watch that. Was there anything like that in your case? Or everything was just like on set for the first time? Um, for the most part, uh, you know, as I considered myself pretty healthy, I did have high cholesterol for quite a while. Uh, I thought cholesterol drugs were scammed, did not listen to my doctor. Uh, when they first came out, I heard the doctors were getting pushbacks from pharmaceutical companies to, mm -hmm. to kind of, so, you know, I kind of scared off them and I was just like, well, you know, I haven't seen any reason to take them. I feel great. Uh, going on years later, apparently my cholesterol got very high. Uh, also, like I said, could have been a contributing factor. We don't know. It was a hundred percent blockage, probably a big factor. Uh, I do take cholesterol medication now, as well as some other meds. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, it looks like you're in good shape. It looks like you eat right. It, it, it looks like you're in a really beautiful place where you're living. And you said you cycle and, and you're outside. But part of what happens with the stories we're hearing is that it happens to anybody at any time when you least expect it. And, and, one of the things is is that you're always pursuing your dreams. You're out there living your life, and in a matter of a day, you got a whole new perspective on why you're grateful you're living. Exactly. Me included. I mean, it's just like for me, it started in 2004, and I I, I had the same symptoms, and they told me I had a heart failure, and 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 that the heart failure was uh, something between my sleep apnea and a virus that attacked my heart. And I was on all the drugs and for 15 years I was medicated and I had a defibrillator. And then um, later in life, I had heart attacks number four and five in one day that um, eventually got me down the road for uh, a bunch of different procedures and eventually a transplant. And I've been transplanted two and a half years now. November is going to make uh, November 20th is technically my second birthday. And, How do you feel? Uh, oh, I feel great. I feel great. Uh, um, I went from uh, not being able to walk out of bed to eventually this year I had 30 shows on stage. Um, Anthony and I had hooked up about a year ago, and uh, we're in a up up, uh, up in Orange County, and uh, we're you know we're we just start talking about bands and bands and bands and bands and just just playing and and just from my recovery I've, I've been able to really grip on to where i was in, in in terms of playing and and now i'm as good or better than i ever was that i feel 
and um, you know, it, you, you can't ignore the medications anymore. And uh, it's just a big part of my life. And uh, we definitely want to hear more about, you know, where, where after your incident, can you, can you tell us how often you see doctors now? Are you getting blood tests? Is it, is it a whole new way of, of living for you? Well, just to say, yeah, fantastic to hear that you're doing well. Great to hear that. Thank you. Um, stories like that that kind of make me feel better about, you know, how stuff went. Um, oh, I'll put you in a fetal position. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got stories. After having I can imagine that could be pretty scary because oh, I'm boy. alone for that night. You know, on the drive to the hospital, I was pretty scared, you know. Telling my wife I love her, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, did you think did you think it was your last rites that you were that you were in the process of? Did, was there a point where you thought you were dying? Well, I was thinking it was a possibility. I did not mm-hmm. know the hospital that gave me the AKG, as uh, me and Anthony discussed yesterday, and it showed absolutely nothing, mm-hmm. like I was normal. Wow. So they threw me back to the waiting room for an hour and a half. You know, that was at 10.35. At 12, they give me a blood test. And uh, I'm sure you guys know about troponin levels now. That's yep. the enzyme, your heart muscle or whatever that, you mm-hmm. know, goes up when you're having heart damage. And oh, yeah. uh, apparently normal levels. Can I go back to one thing about you and your wife when you're on the way to the hospital? Were you saying things like, I love you. I should have done the dishes two weeks ago <laughs> and I had to yell at me. Uh, honey, should I? Uh, they cleaned the bathroom was, out, told me to unlock the toilet seat down. <laughs> no, <I laughs> you know, all the things that you normally don't even think about from you know that you're on the way to the hospital for heart heart failure. You're like, oh, sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't like saying goodbye to you three weeks ago. Yeah, I was uh, I was kind of doubled over in pain and trying to catch my breath, and I just figured, well, you know, I try to be a pretty good husband, but uh, mm-hmm. I figured in case it was my last time, I was telling her, hey, mm-hmm. I love you. <laughs> just you. Happens, just so back to the hospital. Uh, yeah, so back to the hospital. Um, yeah, so they uh, took the blood test, troponin levels. Uh, they told me average was 54. Mine were at 866. At there you go. Uh, by 12 <laughs> o'clock, they were up to um, 2,500, I believe. Uh, or no, so, somewhere around. They, uh, they put on morphine and fentanyl just trying to keep me comfortable because apparently I don't know if it was a storm that night. I don't know if there was no heart people or heart doctors there, coronary people, whatever that night. But to make a long story short, by the morning, uh, by 10.45 in the morning, they were over 25,000, which is as high as the machine goes. And they put me in for a heart cath by 11 o'clock. A couple of stents later, uh, I started feeling great the next day. Yeah, you had, a, you had a blockage. Yes. You had a blockage. And um, did they tell you what your EF number is, your your your, your output? Where Did, did they, they tell you about that? At the, the aftermath, uh, they told me it was about 35, 40 after the heart attack, um, once they got the stents in. Right. Uh, do 12 weeks of cardiac therapy afterwards. Yeah. I'm up to about 50, 60% now. That's it. You're normal again. Yeah, we're doing all right. You're normal again. Um, at my worst point, I was probably about 12. <clears throat> uh, 
my heart just wasn't pumping again. And uh, they had to take some real corrective action and procedures. And uh, uh, after therapy for the almost a year and a half, my heart got back to about 36, 38. But I was still on on on, on, on an LVAD pump. But the 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 gift of a transplant brought me up to seventy after the transplant. And um, needless to say, I'm in I'm in my mid sixties now. And and Anthony will tell you his story. But um, it, what I went through, no one nobody should have to go through. And there are people that go through it every day for 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 various types of heart failure that the muscle doesn't recover. But yeah. the good news is your heart is a muscle and not just tissue, and it does rebuild. And with care, it, it'll it'll get back to normal. And uh, you look great. You know, I I'm not I'm not sure if it's just you know the sunny background and a beautiful day where you are, but it you, you, you definitely it probably helps. You have more muscle. You have more muscle now than you did back in high school. Uh, I was uh, I was 105 pounds in high school when I started wrestling. Oh my God. You, were, you were really thin. Yeah, you were really thin. That's why I was not sure how you made the wrestling team. I was like, is this, is this guy doing doing him a favor? Does he know his mother or something? Pushing <laughs> you up. Just had to be stronger than the other skinny guys out there. That's <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's true. So tell us about the psychological part, like um, pre-surgery post-surgery like tell us how you were like, like tell us what like what what did you go through in the process because i know that mine compared to uh you're relatively new because you had you said you had yours in december you had yes. your okay so december what, what was the date december what uh december 12th 2022 yeah so you were literally not even you're not even in you yet um so but what was the psychological effects of um dealing with uh like we know you went through on the way to the hospital yeah, I mean, so what were you doing? I was, how long were you in for? Like when you were there? Yeah. Well, I, I was enough not to have to have surgery. Um, all hard cath is pretty much they stick a wire up uh, that can go up through your wrist or through your groin and okay. uh, open up your heart and put a balloon in there, open it up okay. and put like a tunnel in there. And that kind of keeps everything open that was blocked. So um, I'll tell you what, I woke up afterwards. Uh, interesting story. You know, hard cath. You know, they get you down there. Tell you, you can go through the groin or the wrist. Uh, you're going through stuff. You're in a lot of pain. Of course, first thing you think about, you know, you're in there with uh, 11 women and a, a guy doctor, and just thinking, well, this is a little embarrassing. But at the same time, I'll live through it. <laughs> Start making how it's cold in there. Blah blah blah. Anyway, when you say embarrassing. Embarrassing in what way? Oh, it's just because. You know, like I said, I, you think it's embarrassing, but at the time you're in pain, so I was just kind of making jokes and stuff. And I was also on fentanyl and morphine, so I was just uh, making jokes about, hey, it might be a little cold in here, you know, just trying to keep it all light. <laughs> well, it, one of the recurring themes that, that we found, even from when we got interviewed, is there's this issue of male pride and yep. and keeping up um, – Either a front or or some kind of brave image, in in order to keep yourself intact, and you you project this 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 male pride into your experience, and what everyone's learned and come out of it is is it's not the most important part of your therapy or your recovery. 
is is that you become humbled and yeah. and you, you might you might have had a real big loud attitude before all this happened and then when you when you're done you're if you ever watch the sopranos you're running around going every day is a gift every day is a gift it's and true. and and it's it's compelling in a way because it dials it dials your your attitude level from about an eight and a half to about uh in my case probably about a four and a half even a four yep. yeah, from, from from all the experience yeah i my story speaking of the male pride thing i had these two really attractive nurses in there and at some point i had to go to the bathroom and of course to begin to put the wires on i said can i just go in first before you um, actually start wiring me up. So of course, um, I ended up. You know, they said, "Well, this whole line will get you. We'll get you one of those jugs or those jars that you pee in." So um, at some point, you know, I ended up just letting go on myself. I was still, I was still wearing my my clothing, and I was so embarrassed. I wanted to cry. I was so upset. I think, and not to sound, not to sound chauvinistic or sexist. I think if they were ugly women, I probably wouldn't have cared as much. Yeah, you know, I mean, so I know I'm just like an a-hole in that way, but I'm just saying if they were if they weren't so pretty. And meanwhile, um, my lady at the time is telling me, "Well, look, honey, this is what they do. Like they're used to seeing that, so that's not a big deal. You shouldn't be upset." I said, "But you don't understand. It's it's my mask. It's my masculinity. It's my male pride." I'm like thinking to myself, "I saw these two hot chicks. Forget about them being nurses." It was just that these two hot women saw me pee, you know, like they literally, but even though they probably see that in a long time, you know, that's probably part of their job, you know, part of their day to day and their job, they see that. But for me, that one particular thing really upset me. Not the fact that I'm there having heart failure, you know, I'm thinking in terms of, they actually saw me pee. You know, that was my, that was my whole thing. Tear, tear. You know, so getting back to the male pride, like how are you feeling this day? I get, trust me, part of my thing was, is uh, I work at a casino, which is a pretty popular place around here with the people that work at the hospital. So I was, <laughs> even though, like I said, I was, I was happy. But, okay. uh, long story short, they, uh, they put the uh, stents in, uh, got me back up to a room, uh, woke up uh, an hour or two later. And I'll tell you what, I was, Felt a little tightness in my chest, but I started feeling really good. I guess getting all the blood and oxygen back to the rest of your body helps. Uh, makes a big deal. Um, but yeah, I, I started feeling great. Started feeling like I could rule the world. And, you know, of course, they're telling me I'm not going home that day, but you feel like you can. Mm -hmm. And uh, as far as the psychological parts you guys were talking about, like I said, I, I felt great in the beginning. I got a text message from my cousin asking me if I was depressed about anything and if I need to talk to anybody. I didn't think so. And she's like, well, it happens to people sometimes after an incident like this. And if you do, you know, we're here for you. And I didn't okay. think anything, you know, a couple of days down the road, I'm thinking to myself, wow, you know, I like to cycle. I like to bike ride. I'm a pretty active guy. And uh, I thought my life was over, but it was not going to be the same that I've been a lot and yeah dietarily and exercise wise i've changed a little bit up my game a little bit but uh yeah i mean i'm pretty much back to most of what mm -hmm. i did beforehand and i, I feel good it, it, it's not an instant recovery it's it, yeah you have to try every day 
And um, yeah, it, it starts with one step at a time. It starts with walking down your driveway and back. It starts with just getting your mail. It starts with just walking up the stairs to, you know, go to bed or the bathroom or whatever it's going to be. And you build on it, you build on it. And before you realize it, you, you're, you're getting back to that feeling you had from before all this started. And, uh, and, and believe it or not, a lot of it you may even forget. Mm. When you were, uh, I'm going to pose this question to, uh, to Greg. So when you say forget, um, is that part of getting rid of trauma? When you say I believe it could be. Um, my first heart failure was in 2004. Okay. And um, I was treated with meds. And the, the only surgery I had was they installed a uh, pacemaker, a defibrillator and uh, sent me down the road and I was in uh, hospital for 10 days. And um, they had to really figure out what was wrong. And it took, you know, this was in uh, October and it took, you know, weeks to figure out how to, you know, feel better again. And, you know, they don't really want you exercising. They want you keeping this, this level, um, this level-headed, don't fall, don't push yourself kind of lifestyle so that everything can get readjusted to what the trauma you occurred. And, and all that went really well for about hmm, almost 14, 15 years. And uh, the interesting thing about having a defibrillator is it records everything. So you'd always go back and they'd say, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. And then one day you go back and they said, well, you had a heart attack. And said, they go, didn't you feel it? And you go, feel what? And, and this technology keeps you alive. And then it's um, the point I had was I had two heart attacks in one day. And I went down and uh, the defibrillator wasn't going to work for me anymore. And uh, at that point, um, they tried the stents. Because actually, after 15 years, what, what took me down was that my stent clogged. And a piece of advice that I'll give Dave is always ask if you could get that thing cleaned out. Because if, if I had my stents cleaned out, I never would have had the inevitability that I was running into, even though I had a weak heart below 40%. Um, nobody ever ever told me that I needed my step cleaned out. So, so I you know you have one. Yep. If someone actually came up with the idea of making a vacuum cleaner for the heart, they think they'd be billionaires. Well, they do. It's a catheterization. Oh, no, but I mean where you can do it yourself. No, yeah. no. Yeah, <laughs> no. And you have to crack your open for that to happen. And 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 just to, just to add on on what David said about getting a catheterization when you become um, when you become a, a transplant recipient, you get eighteen catheterizations in one year, and it's it's right here in your neck. Ooh. They put a two way. They literally cut your jugular. One day one day I'll put up a fast screenshot of uh, of my medical record, and it's just it's page full of catheterization, and that's when they check for uh, rejection, and that's when they check for um, uh, your capacities. And they do biopsies. Uh, they have a test now called an allo map that is basically blood related to give you those same kind of numbers. But a lot of times doctors want to go really right in and 
and and get the real deal. But yeah, it's um, and and, so, and you're awake. Um, some people choose to be put out, but then you got to spend overnight in a hospital. But um, catheterizations now for me, it's once every two years, and I get a double catheterization. They do a left and a right at the same time. Uh, I got that coming up in November to look forward to. And um, you become numb. And, and going back to what Anthony said, like after you went through this first procedure and people go, oh, my God, I can't believe you went through that. Then the next part is you went through what after that? And then you had that for 11 months where you have a coaxial power cable coming out of your gut. You're staying alive with an electromagnetic pump. I sent Anthony the picture of the, uh, the last x-ray they took for my transplant. And you literally see a car water pump in your chest. Wow. It, 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 maybe we'll add it to the uh, when, when, when we put it all on. And you, but you don't want to remember these things. I mean, why would you? And then you go into the transplant and you're so happy you're alive after the fact. And then you go through all the catheterizations and they reduce all the meds you're on. And you start, you start getting back into what you knew was your life before it all started. And, and you, keep, you keep pushing. And um, uh, there was an old movie in the 70s, The Gumball Rally. And, and, and one guy says to the other guy, he well, says, ourselves. Yeah, he, he goes, well, the first rule of Italian race car driving is what's what's behind you isn't important. And you just keep pushing forward and you don't really look back at this point because it you, you don't want to see yourself in that hospital bed. You don't want to see yourself going, oh, my God, what happened to me? Oh, my God, I just I just survived this. And um the medications are lower, the eating changes, the exercise picks up, and uh, you get back into events and, and things you activities you did that you, you keep you alive and love to be there. And the other part is is the support group around you and you know the people that you love and care about who love and care for you back become the biggest inspirations to to want to keep pushing forward. So yep, you know. So I'm sorry. Wait, let me let me jump up for just a second. Yeah, no, no, please. I'm I'm definitely talking way too much and way too dark. <laughs> so, Dave, what kind of support did you get from your family as a whole? I mean, let's since we're in the psychological part of it of um, dealing with dealing with heart disease and heart failure, what kind of support did you get? Physical support, psychological, um, just family in general. Like, what 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 what, like what what made it work for you in that sense? Uh, well, my wife was there every step of the way. Couldn't ask for a better person. Today's her birthday, actually. So happy birthday to my wife. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Uh, happy birthday to you. Uh, What's her name? Uh, Patty. Happy, happy birthday, birthday, Patty. Happy birthday yeah. to Patty. See, if, if we knew, if Greg and I knew in advance, we would play it on bass. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, we would, we would know this. Happy birthday. All right, so your wife is, your wife is there every step of the way. Yeah, she was there every step of the way. She was in the hospital pretty much as much as they would let her be in the hospital. Um, and there wasn't really much she could do except for sit around after everything was done. But, uh, yeah, she was there for me emotionally, physically, uh, supportive. Uh, text messages, phone calls, uh, Facebook messages. I was hearing from people I had never heard from in years, mm -hmm. uh, which was a delight to me. You know, some, some friends I'd maybe fallen out with, that, you know, 
nice to know they still care. And so yeah, you know, there was some uplifting stuff and I'm not going to lie. A lot of people say the hospitals are miserable and yeah, they are. Uh, mm -hmm. Nobody wants to be there. When I woke up from uh, my heart catheterization, I had a great view of the Capitol building of Topeka, Kansas with the sun rising up over it. So I was like, hey, I guess it could be worse. <laughs> uh -huh. A positive thing to see, I guess, uh -huh. for seeing the rise over the Capitol building. Yeah, no, I got. I was in the Bronx. I got to stare at a brick wall. Uh, it was seven oh. stories high, in in four directions. So, you know, it was. Uh, it, it. I was going to ask you what state you're in. It looks beautiful out there. Well, yeah. I, I am a previous New Yorker. I was born and bred. Uh, that's why I know Anthony from high school. And uh, but yeah, I lived in California for 14 years, and uh, I've been living here in Kansas now for about six years. Nice. So nice. let me ask you this. Let's, let's go back into. Let's go back into your past because. You mentioned that your father had all kinds of health issues that kind of tied into it. Um, do you think at some point that might have impacted where you are today as far as the heart failure? Um, well, there was, there was a lot of factors. Um, my dad, yes, he was overweight. He smoked. He drank. He had uh, heart disease. He had diabetes. He had cancer. Uh, you name it, he, he had it on the list. And uh, he didn't really take care of himself. Didn't really care about taking care of himself. Uh, he's just like, you know, I'm going to eat what I want. And if it kills me, it kills me. You know, he was on dialysis. Uh, I myself, uh, second shoulder surgery was diagnosed with kidney disease. So uh, that's another factor here. When you take the uh, heart cath, the uh, the dye they give you to uh, see everything, very hard on your kidneys. So, you know, that's a, another thing. One issue leads to another issue. And uh, just trying to keep everything moving, keep everything positive. But uh, yeah, I mean, my, my dad had a lot of factors and health issues and I wasn't close with my dad, but yeah, like I said, it could have been a million fat, could have been that, could have been the fried foods, could have been the cholesterol, it could have been the partying. Uh, some people say it could have been COVID vaccines. I don't judge. Um, there was that TV show, Biggest Loser. Biggest Loser. Uh, forget that guy's name. Uh, either way, the guy was ripped, healthy, vegan. And he had himself a massive coronary. Wow. Uh, it doesn't matter how, how much you take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's and that's another theme we run into is it, no matter how hard you try, sometimes there's just one day is going to be your day. Um, there was something I wanted to just bring up. I'm going to remember it now. Uh, another recurring theme that we always run into is. If you end up in the hospital, they always ask you about what they call your family history. And for, for the most part, what you had talked about basically is all anybody really knows is that no one has records. No one has numbers. No one has any facts. Nobody knows if their kidney is bad. Their liver is bad. Their lungs are deflated. Nobody knows if their heart is good. All you hear about is uh, um, uncle so-and-so had heart disease. So-and-so was a diabetic. This one had cancer. Um, like you said, my dad had all three. My father had heart disease and diabetes. And when you start when you start using these terms in front of medical professionals, sometimes they don't use it in your favor, but against you. And um, it, 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 it's just one of these things that that we don't know how to change it. But at some point, somebody has to start 
remembering records and they have to start being able to share and, 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 and access things. And when, when they asked you those questions, how did you react? I'm sorry, as, as far as which questions? Oh, family records, family history. Oh, yeah. I mean, I told them I, you know, I wasn't close to my father, but I knew yeah. what I knew through my mom and through her taking care of him. And, and yeah, basically, I told them what I knew. It's, you know, he had the cancer, he had diabetes, he had yeah. heart disease, he was on dialysis. And when mm -hmm. he passed away, they basically just listed the whole list of all he, all he had. So, oh, you saw, oh, wow. So you actually saw that after the fact. Um, I didn't see that after the fact. I was just from what I was told. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, because a lot of a lot of these issues do become hereditary. Mm -hmm. yeah, actually, let me let me let me jump in on that. Um, I heard from a doctor, actually from Canada, cardiologist as well. He said he he, he is convinced that I can't say his name obviously. He is convinced that it's not necessarily hereditary is that you literally adopt your parents' shitty habits hmm. and they adopted their parents' shitty habits and their parents have adopted their parents' shitty habits. And he just said that, you know, if you grew up in a household that had a lot of vegetables or, or you ate a lot of fruit and veggies, you normally reduce the chances of you having a heart attack. Now, obviously you mentioned the, you know, Dave, you mentioned the guy in the Big loser who was ripped and had a, and had a vegan diet. He had a heart attack. I lived a pretty good lifestyle. I had heart failure. You know, I'm like, it's, it's, I mean, I had my cheat days, but for the most part, it was pretty much, I called an 80-20 diet where I would do Monday through Friday, pretty much fruit and veggies, very little meat, mostly chicken, turkey, and a, a lot of fish. And then come Saturday night or Friday night, usually Friday or Saturday night, I would snack on a burger. And usually if I got that burger, it was with everything on it. It was with the bacon, it was with, you know, it was a Swiss cheese, two usually two layers of it. I would have bacon, egg, and everything on it. And, and at that point, you know, lettuce and tomato were just an after. It was like an after. It was just, it was just like something like, yeah, it's just throw it on because I get that. I used to eat that week. So, um, so for me, having that cheat psychologically, I felt I wasn't doing anything. Now, when I had my cardiac catheterization, my arteries were clear. So I think the 80-20 actually was correct, but it didn't stop me from having heart failure. Like it wasn't like, oh wow, you don't, you know, we don't know why you had it, but you still had it. It doesn't matter at that point. The the only after the fact thing I'm gonna add to that is you're looking me at somebody who gets blood draws um sometimes four times a month, sometimes uh, I'm gonna say, you know, 30 to 50 times a year at this point because of my condition and and i'm a hawk i'm a hawk on all these numbers because you you get a team and the team's always looking out for your best interests and the numbers that you don't think mean anything or you don't know what they mean you got to start i start looking these things up and it's like really what's that really what's that what does this mean and um when when anthony and i started talking again um, Anthony's mom was was in the hospital, and we started talking about what are her blood numbers, and and Anthony knew what her numbers were, and uh, a lot of that is reflective upon your diet and your lifestyle, and and if you don't see where those numbers are, because I just know in my case, 
my records are a mile long. They are a mile long. And I can tell you my white blood cell count, my red blood cell count. I can tell you my cholesterol numbers. I can tell you what my kidney is operating at. And, and as these things, because they change your dosages based upon your, um, the results. And it, it's, um, it, it's one of those things that I can tell you that I'm not telling you I eat the greatest and I'm not telling you I got an 80, 20. I don't even want to suggest what my numbers are, but, but, but there, there, it, before all this happened, it might've been a 20, 80 in my case. You when know, you say living, 20, 20% veggies and fruits and everything else is crap. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. At least you're honest about it. Well, no, but that's how I got here. I mean, it's, you know, I, I, I can come on this show and go, you know, hey, I'm a, I'm a vegan, I'm a this, I'm a that, but I wasn't. You know what I'm saying? I was leading a highly sugar, highly caffeinated, highly fast food lifestyle because that's the only food that was available. And um, when I got really ill and I had all my procedures, I was, I was in the hospital and people were getting this illness and they didn't have a name for COVID yet. <clears throat> so when COVID started, I was already, I was already sick. I was already beyond sick. I was already like, they would say, looking at you like you're dead. <clears throat> and, um, you know, it, it, all that went away because it was all, all the options for food changed when all these restaurants weren't open at night anymore. And uh, I was in my home and I had to eat right and I had to get checked and I had a heart pump that you weren't allowed to eat green vegetables because that would clog, you put too much iron in your blood. And um, what, what the force of habit made me change to, I'm not, I'm not going to say an 80 20, but you know, I hope I'm close. But, you know, there's meatless two days a week, and, and yeah, sure, there's the occasional cheat, but it, it, a lot of the processed foods went away. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's part of that change that, that is, well, we'll call it the change of heart, because you have to, and not only that, I got, I got someone else's heart to even, to even add on top of that. And so it's it's really just a question of of you know feeling blessed, feeling lucky, and and pushing forward with um, with what you got. And and these medications, they always have to adjust them. And that's why you know it, I don't, I don't know how often you get your blood checked, but if you can, um, I'm sure since you're a hospital patient, I'm going to recommend that you dial in to the online account you have because all your tests are there. And the other thing is, is all your doctor's notes are there and you can see the results of your appointments, even though you went there and you said, oh, it was 10 minutes. And the guy didn't really talk about much. And, and, you know, it seemed pretty quick. If you go back into the notes, you're going to see five pages of, oh my God, I didn't even know we went over that. And, um, you know, that's, I, like, like I tell Anthony, every time we have a guest on, I always learn two, three things that I never heard before. And I always remember two or three things that I should keep remembering. Yep. So getting back to the diet, let's all agree. Shitty food tastes so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh really, wait, wait. It really, really does. It's, it's a serious addiction. I'm sorry. Like um, when, really, I, I, I like the results of eating healthy, 
I was so mad when I was diagnosed. I was like, man, I thought I did everything right. And then it's like, why am I doing this? If that's the case, I should go back. I should, I should go back to eating shitty crap again and then deal with it. But then I'm glad I did. But let's face it. Look, we all know that fast food, it, it may be bad for you, but it's such a serious addiction. It's so fucking good. It really wow. is. They call um, it. It's not good for you. We all know that already. What, what were you going to say, Dave? I was going to say there's a reason they call it comfort food. Yeah. Because <laughs> yes. it's so good. Makes you feel. Well, Dave, one of the things that Anthony had brought up that that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go dive deep into it now, but we wanted to create a segment called "Food to Die For," sure. and um, it was going to be a list of the five things that uh, you couldn't live without, and and that it worst comes to worst, you you, you it, the food to die for would be your bucket list of food. Yep. So you want to give it a shot? Well. I know, and everybody that's known me for a long time knows one of my favorite things, especially growing up in New York, a really good Italian combination here. Oh, salmon. boy. The salami, the pepperoni, the ham, the nitrate, mm -hmm. the, the vinegar, I mean, the peppers, everything. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, now it's become like, uh, if I have a sandwich like that, it's like turkey. <laughs> well, you, but you, you and, and I'm just going to add, you pick the right one. Turkey's the one to have, um, yep. as because it has a lot less salt in the animal fats that are in roast beef or ham. But um, how, how's the Italian combo in Kansas? Just to, just to let everyone in New York feel good for two seconds. That sounds scary. Just the way you said it, Kansas and Italian combos. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah. What's there? I was very happy to find a Jersey Mike's out here when I first moved here. Um, They're good. I think they closed recently. Oh, I'm, no. You know why? <laughs> we couldn't get enough New Yorkers to support it. Well, I think they were having uh, employment problems. That's, um, but that's true. That's it. But that's everywhere. But Jersey Mike's has a really good cheesesteak, too. Oh, yeah. All about <laughs> contributing to hard factors, uh, being all New Yorkers, I guess. Oh, yeah. Um, that well, we... I like you're a giant fan. Yep. So now, are, Dave, look forward to where you are now. So what are you doing as part of your regimen to keep yourself on top of your game? Um, like what exactly are you doing? Well, as of this morning, I woke up, uh, you know, had my banana so I could have all my pills. Uh, take the baby aspirin, uh, the blood thinners. Uh, got to visit uh, cholesterol medicine. uh Blood, uh, blood pressure medication. There's a whole list of things I take, and I take a probiotic just to make sure everything keeps moving after all those drugs. Mm -hmm. uh, went downstairs, worked out, uh, do some weights. Uh, I'll tell you what, after my shoulder surgeries and my heart attack, all the doctors tell me I'd never do pull-ups again, and I almost take that as a milestone when I could do pull-ups again. Exactly. Back to my old life, you know? <laughs> exactly. I, I, I don't. I don't want to tell you. I have 20, 23 different meds after a transplant, twice a day. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm feeling your pain. I've traveled your road, and uh, there's always somebody else taking more pills. Don't worry. Oh, I know. <laughs> My uh, father-in-law had a, a kidney transplant. Oh, okay. He, he well, yeah, it, 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 I hear it. I, I've seen it. So. Wow, you know, that's less him. Yeah, no, and and we always suggest people do become organ donors. 
because you can save up to seven lives with your own. I know, I know my donor did. So, so Dave, you, you don't hear about that. So talk about so your workout routine daily. It's a, at one point you rode, you, you were, you were, you were cyclists, you were ride bikes. Uh, oh, I, mean, I wouldn't call myself like a professional cyclist or anything, but I, I ride for fun. I mean, I used to do charity rides, um, my younger mm -hmm. days, you know, a hundred mile bike ride, home society and stuff like that. Uh, these days it was basically being 10 and 20 miles. Okay. On my, uh, I haven't done a lot of that this year. I've had some, some yard projects and some lighting projects and I blew my tire on my third ride this year and I haven't replaced it. So that's on me. Uh, this is the year I probably need to be doing more cardio and, uh, yeah, I was a little lacking on that, but I'm still hitting the weights and still hitting the cardio. Okay. Did you your recovery quickly? Was your, was your recovery a good recovery or did it take some time? Uh, and what are your what are your limitations, by the way? Um, I was I was scared to do stuff in the beginning. Uh, oh, yeah. I was scared to get my heart racing. Um, like I said, this happened to me in December twelfth. I'm a big football fan, and uh, I was thinking, boy, if I get screaming at the TV, man, that's it for me. <laughs> mm, okay. But uh, my limitations now, except for dietary, are, are pretty much none. I uh, that's great news. Birthday, if I could go inside. Uh, my doctor said, if you're feeling good enough for it, go for it. And uh, wow. doing it because the day that I was supposed to do it, there was the winds were too high. And they told me that they wanted a note from my doctor. And I was like, well, maybe all the signs are leading me to keep my feet on the ground. <laughs> wow. Well, caution, caution's good, at least for the first year. But, but yeah, um, you, know, you, you feel better after something like that. And you think sometimes you think you don't have much time left and you start uh -huh. Your bucket I just went up to Pikes Peak for our anniversary, or we tried. We got about two miles from the or two thousand feet from the top because they had a blizzard up there. But uh, yeah, just trying to mark things off the bucket list now because uh, you know, even though I feel great, I think my time is maybe shortened a little. I don't know. Maybe well, I I, I, the only thing I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest is one of the things that the patient mentality in your head is they want you close by they they they're looking out for you to such a point that they want you to restrain yourself from who you used to be and and i can tell you that firsthand because yeah, no more cigarettes no more feet. well yeah that's the obvious stuff but the unobvious stuff is uh i gotta fix something in my house um, I want to go for that walk. I want to go for that bike ride. And you do got to push yourself at some point. And there's that little voice in your head telling you, you know what? I don't want to end up back in this hospital bed. I don't want to be restrained with an IV, getting IV drugs because I pushed the limit on something. But you're going to have to at some point or, or, or else the stagnation is going to hurt you. And, and you have to keep that, that will to live going. And it's, uh, it's a hard one. And, and even now, we, the transplant people are like, you have to push yourself when you walk. You've got to get that heart pumping. Um, I told Anthony, and Anthony agreed, one day we're going to go into the details of what happened to me. But the long story short, Dave, is you wake up from 13 hours of surgery 
and you're in this bed and your chest is broken apart in my case for the second time and the guy wakes you up and he says uh mr weiss we need you to get out of bed and walk and i look at the guy and i say well i'm taking today off i'm, I'm you get it i said I, I i my chest is cracked i'm doing this they go look it is really important that you get out of this bed and get into this chair and and i'm like but but they go, there's no buts you're getting out of this bed and you've got you've got tubes and wires and ivs and you're a mess you're you you literally got hit by a truck literally had someone else's heart put in you been sedated for 13 hours and they're going uh, you got to get out of this bed into this chair. All right. And then you do that. And then three hours later, they go, okay, Mr. Weiss, you got to get out of this chair and get back into this bed. And they pull you up and they go, you feel like walking around? Excuse me? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm taking today off. And they put you back in bed. And this goes on for, in my case, almost 10 days. But after day three, you're like, all right, I'll take a step. And then they go, could you take another one? Excuse me, could you take another one? All right, I'll take another one. Could you take another one after that? No. No, I'm done. And eventually they get you back and they want to get you functional fast. And you got functional fast. You're what? You're, you're what, eight months out now? And you don't feel like it happened. You don't want to look back and go, oh, my God, it was this. Look, you, you, you had an episode. You had a tragic episode. You got catheterized. You saw the numbers. They put the numbers in your face and you go, well, if 50 to 200 is normal and I'm at 50,000, well, maybe there isn't a tomorrow. Sorry to interrupt you, Greg. No, no, no. I, I, I'll go on all day, please. So <laughs> do you feel that being athletic aided in your recovery? That it made the process go faster. I'll I'll speak for myself and say that it did. I mean, even though I cried about it in the very beginning, saying that I wish I done cocaine and whores and ate a lot of ate a lot more fried food and smoked cigarettes, even though I felt that when I first when I first was diagnosed. But then I realized later, I said if it wasn't for the fact that I was in athletically good shape, that it would have probably made my process even worse. Yeah, I would say the uh, the doctors definitely said that me being in decent shape helped my recovery. Uh, I, I, I have a quick question but as sure. you go on. Did you have an incident where you put on fluid weight? Um, I did not. Um, I know Anthony would talk to me about something like that with an incident yeah, with him. Uh, oh, was, yeah, me too. Uh, I had that. How much uh, did you put on? Great. How much did you put on? For, as far for me, it was about, I think cycling around the lake one day and I basically laid on the floor and I couldn't catch my breath. And that mm. was probably the only precursor to this whole thing. Really? Uh, in, in my case, my weight was sustained uh, as overweight and I had constantly been overweight and um, probably because I had no heart power pushing the fluids out. And the opposite happened to me was that after I was hospitalized, in order to proceed, they literally took 45 pounds of fluid out of my body. 45. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And um, 
when we have another guest on, he's going to talk about that have, too. You had a small child removed from you. Well, yes, absolutely. Out of you, yeah, that's tough. And and and, and the fluid, thirty-three pounds. The, 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 yeah, and and the fluid restriction for me was eight hundred milliliters a day for about two weeks, and and that's literally one little bottle of Poland spring water. You know, it's it's a it's a sixteen ounce bottle, and that's all you're allowed, including medication, for a day, and that was the only way they could operate on my heart to the, eventually remove it. But the um, the uh, the water restriction was incredible, and they're hitting you with these medications, and you're just you're 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 cramped up, and and it was it was one of the things I um. I'm looking at you, Dave, is that it doesn't look like you had a fluid issue. And that's one of the most blessed things about being in shape was that you didn't put on the excess fluid because you would have internally drowned your own heart in your body. Yep. And that's and that's one of the saving graces of your story is keep cycling and work out, even if it kills you. Yep. All right, so Dave, <laughs> our final question. Um what would you tell look and obviously i would always focus on people our age like over 40 um but now it seems like you have people who are younger who are getting heart issues so what would you say to someone um, or anyone out there who thinks that they might have an issue like what would you tell them uh, just make sure you see your doctor get your physicals follow up i before this happened i'm not gonna lie I'd, I'd probably not had a serious physical in about three years because uh, I figured they were just going to tell me my cholesterol was high again like they always did. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, listen to your doctor. Don't bite them on cholesterol meds like I did. Uh, take advice. I, I I was ignorant of advice. I was fighting it. I thought I knew better. I didn't. I paid the price for it. Listen to your doctors. They they, they know a little bit. <laughs> Follow your numbers, like Greg. Just just a little, just a little bit more than what we know. That yeah, definitely cool. follow like Greg says. That's a, that's a big thing. Okay. Well, it, it, I, I'm just saying you learn so much after the fact that one of the original driving forces of this show was to get ahead of that and and make the effort to get a a, a standard set of numbers that if you know you get a test and something's out, you're the first person to know instead of being the last person to know and, and, and you're, you know, you're, you're clutching your, your own heart for your own life. And I'm just saying that because I've been there more than once. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's just it, it, it's something we'll all learn sometimes too late. Mm. All right, everybody. Dave Robin, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you. Thanks for coming on, and happy birthday to Patty. And we want to celebrate. We want to celebrate the fact that you're you're here and you're alive, and that we're all alive, and that this platform allows us to talk about this. And if you know anybody out there who has an issue with their heart, heart disease, heart failure, please mm -hmm. feel free. And they want and they want to talk about it. Tell them, you know, reach out to us, and we would actually have. Yeah. Yep, a Change of Heart podcast is on Facebook, and you can contact us for uh information leading to an interview we'd love to hear your story no matter how uh severe or uh boring it may be we um we want to hear your story we so hear thank you very much and thanks again dave for coming on you got a what we call a unique and interesting experience my pleasure thanks for having me guys appreciate it and uh 
Go Jayhawks. Love that. <laughs> <laughs>